Father in heaven, Lord, bless us today as we talk about the time you passed over and the plagues passed away. We are praying that this plague that has come on our land and around the world will also pass away. And we're wanting to to uh, distance ourselves, shut ourselves in with you for a few moments that we might understand more of the blood and more of your cleansing that, that comes as a result of this following of your instructions or at least remembering your instructions at the time of Passover. And we thank you. We come in Christ's name. Amen. Now Jesus was a very interesting teacher and he liked to, what would you say, flip the script. (laughs) So Jesus was always flipping the classroom around. He, um, He would say things that caught people off guard. He knew all the parables, the rabbinic parables of the first centuries. And he would take those parables and then he would turn them on their end. Everybody knew what he was talking about because he would take the parables of the teachers and then he would just flip them on end. And uh, this really upset the teachers of that day. Can you see that they're a little upset? They're like, I can't believe he did that. He flipped the script again. Well, well, we're going to get him. And uh, Jesus was joyful. He was solemn yet joyful. Um, Mark 2, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. They came and said to him, why did the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while that bridegroom is with them as long as they have the bridegroom? They cannot fast. It's a time of joy because Jesus, the bridegroom, is with them. So, joy. <laughs> now, have you ever seen pictures of Jesus smiling? Sometimes we're almost against it. Oh, no. Jesus no, 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 no. The man of sorrows acquainted with grief, that's true. Never smiled. I don't believe it for a minute. I believe Jesus could smile. I'm not, I know you're not sitting close to anybody, but look at the person that's, that's, that's as close to you as possible, which is like 10 feet away, and smile at them. So... The smiling, joyful Jesus. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us us be, let us be what? Glad and rejoice in it. I hope none of you are taking pictures tonight that you will post. That is not going to help anybody. Maybe for your own remembrance. Um, this is the day that the Lord has met. Let, may let us be what? Glad and rejoice in it. Make a 
joyful noise to the Lord all the lands. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of, of joy. And it says, the common people heard him gladly or with delight. So, Christians should be the most cheerful and happy people that live. They may have the consciousness that God is their father, their everlasting friend, but many professed Christians do not correctly represent the Christian religion. They appear gloomy, as if under a cloud. I want to say that perhaps the person that looks that way does not understand the character of God. They look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. And they uh, simply don't understand the joy of the Lord. You're going to have sorrow enough without acting sorrowful yourself. I remember once I was playing uh, uh, basketball and my um, confidence in myself was very small because I had never played before and I'd had a very unusually bad experience in the first game I ever played. I knew so little about it, I won't go into it because it would just create laughter, but <laughs> it was an unfortunate experience. And so the next time I went back, I, I told everyone, you wouldn't want to pick me. And, and my mother heard me talk. She says, you know, there's enough people that are going to beat you up in life. Just don't beat yourself up. Just wait for them to do it. <laughs> in other words, don't walk around in gloom and sorrow. You're going to have sorrow enough in your life. So don't borrow it from the future. So Jesus was filled with joy and Christians are filled with joy. Now, what was Jesus' purpose in the Last Supper? They believe this is like, this is the traditional site for where the Last Supper was. If you go on a tour to Israel over with us, we'll take you there. Um, you know, the purpose was, well, there's, there's uh, what was the purpose of the Last Supper? What? A farewell. It was a farewell. Passover it was a Passover celebration. Yeah, it was a purpose. And what was the purpose of the Passover celebration? Passover celebration. It's a little hint. The purpose of the Passover was to do what? Celebrate what? That God had delivered in the and the purpose for Christ to have the Passover was not only to show that God had delivered in the, but he was going to deliver in the. <laughs> exactly. Look at that TCI guy there. <laughs> like the little horn of Daniel 7. Um, yeah, this is another one of the traditional sites there of 
where Christ went for the Last Supper, and then, of course, you have the tomb. And when we go there, we many times will celebrate the, the supper there. Now, that Last Supper, the source, the basic source of the ancient Passover is the tractate Pashakim, or Pascal, Passover in the Mishnah. The Mishnah was written down in about A.D. 200 by Rabbi Judah Hanasi who received it via oral tradition dating back to Rabbi Halil, who lived in the century before Christ. And the Passover was a festival occasion, a celebration of the nations released from Egyptian bondage. Only later would Jesus' disciples realize the irony of this joyous occasion that pointed to the death of the Messiah. They didn't think it was so joyful then, but that was its purpose. And the atmosphere and the setting, it was a place to really just kind of relax and celebrate it was one of total relaxation. They would recline around the low table, about 18 inches high, sprawled on pillows being served by um, the help or by servants. If you want to have this, this type of um, being close to the ground, you would go to maybe the Kenjo's house. All their chairs I noticed today are very close to the ground. How many of you have been to Kenjo's house? And, or, you know, Pastor Rich, a Korean culture, many times they're very close to the ground. Little, little tables that go around. So and this was kind of relaxed. And they would kind of lay on these chairs. They, they, were, they were not having to sit up. They would lay down. You can see those mats down there. They were laying down, and they would all lay the same way. So the social distancing or... Physical distancing was not really big in these, these celebrations. It was kind of like, um, you know, laying around a table that was close to the ground. Take off your shoes, let's have a good time. And in the seating, the head of the family sat at one end, the guests were to wrap around the table, either from the most important to the, um, from the, most important to the other. And this was the typical order of the meal. It was not just one cup. It was four cups and uh, they would drink these four cups. We'll just talk about them as they celebrated them. So Jesus would flip the script. The Passover would begin at the temple, and the, and the service would end on Friday night at home. So they would go to the temple and begin the service there, the celebration there. Then it would end at home. Instead, Jesus celebrated the meal on Thursday night. Why did he celebrate it on Thursday night? Because he was going to be the Lamb of God. He was being sacrificed on the first evening of the Passover at the same time the Lamb was sacrificed in the temple. So he has that, that celebratory feast before that. And when the head of the family came from the synagogue, his hands were washed by the servants. And sometimes now as they have the Seder meal, they'll have the kids wash everybody's hands. So they all wash their hands. They, they would... Take, I mean, uh, they would take water and wash the hands of everybody. Every family member had their feet washed by a common servant. But instead, Jesus did not have anybody wash his hands, but he himself washed the feet of everybody else. This would have totally caught them off guard. What? You're washing <laughs> my feet? They would have thought this was most odd. This would have really got their attention. And this is why Peter so strongly reacted. What? You're washing my feet? 
I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him, Jesus said. By the way, if you want to read all about the Passover, where would you read about it? In the New Testament. John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. That's how many chapters are dedicated to the Passover, right? This is Jesus telling the Passover, and he's following the very script of the meal that they would eat. And if you want to read another kind of service, they would recount, they would read all through the book of Exodus to show the Exodus, but in the New Testament, probably the most similar, the history of Israel would be Acts 6 and 7 and 8, where you read the whole history of Israel. Remember how Stephen did that? And he read the whole history of Israel. So they would read the whole history. The meal lasted till 11 o'clock at night. They would rid the house of leaven. They would wash the feet and hands. And this is why we have foot washing as well. Number three, during the meal, the story is told of the Exodus. It was retold. It would last two to three hours. And when the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I'll tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So there they are, reviewing all the history. And what was all that history about? Pointing to who? Jesus, the Lamb of God. And it was like he's saying, look, I brought you out, and I'm about ready to bring you out again. He's celebrating joyfully what had been accomplished and preparing for what was about to be accomplished. Jesus begins to live out the story of the final exodus. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, like I said, but also in Revelation chapter 10 through 22. Starts in the water with Jesus' feet on the water and in the land and ends with the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 22. Jesus is flipping the script. And after that, where did he go after he ate the meal? John 18, where did he go? Garden of Gethsemane. So if you want to read this more fully, look at it. And by the way, I think it'd be a great thing to do on this weekend. Now you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, they have these olive trees, huge, 2,000 years old, they think, some of them. Or something to look at. Then the telling. The main topic was the memorial of the Passover, Exodus 12. They had been past tense saved by the blood of the Lamb. And he would bring the story into present truth by saying, This is my body given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In other words, it's no longer the Passover Lamb. That was back then. And that was victorious. It brought people up. But now what? I am the Passover Lamb. I'm the body that's about to be sacrificed. He's flipping the script. Rather than having people wash his feet, he washes their feet. Rather than talking about the lamb that they were about to eat, he said, I am the lamb that's about to be sacrificed for you. Behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I'm about to be fully consumed for you. Holocaust. That's where we get the word holocaust. Completely consumed for you. Number five, the bread. At the beginning of the Passover, 
A piece of bread was cut into three pieces. First two were set on the table. The last one is broken in, is broken in two and was hidden. The afokomen for the children to search for at the end of the meal. And the child who found the afokomen received a reward from the father. Some have suggested the three pieces were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Others say Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the bread that was right in the middle, broken in two for them, uh, broken asunder. Likewise, those who find Jesus, the hidden bread, will be given the reward of eternal life. So that unleavened bread, the sinless Savior. And then the four cups. The four cups of wine that were drunk during the Seder were to represent the fulfillment of God's I will statements in Exodus. What are the I will statements? Exodus 6, 6 and 7. Read it with me. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Drinking cup number one. Cup number two. Read it with me. I will free you from being slaves to them. Cup number two. Cup number three. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment had that happened. <laughs> and then cup number four. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the yoke of the, the Egyptians. I am your Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh Lord, all capital letters, the judge who came down with the plagues, the judge, but also God, Elohim, that is the one who's in covenant relationship with you. How many of you have ever studied anything about the covenant today? Good. Some of you are in my class actually listening. Good. The cup of freedom. He gives freedom from bondage, the bondage of sin. The cup of deliverance. He gives freedom from the power of sin. The cup of redemption, he saves and gives eternal life. The cup of covenant, he takes us as his own people. These were the four cups, not one cup, like we have in our communion celebration. But how many cups? Four cups. Not one. Four. Actually, five. Did you know there were five cups? I'm about to show you that. In the telling of the Haggadah, there's a fifth cup of wine and nobody drinks this cup, at least back then. The cup is called the cup of Elijah, or the cup of the anger of God. The door opened, the head of the family reads three verses from the Bible. Pour out thy wrath on the nations that do not acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that do not call on your name, for they have devoured Jacob and destroyed his homeland. May their place be deserted. May there be no one to dwell in their tents. Pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. And this was the cup of Elijah. And they taught that before the Messiah would come, Elijah would come, would return again before the great and mighty day of the Lord. And they said, this, this cup, they, they, they wouldn't drink it, they'd just mention it. But here's the beauty of it. Jesus again flips the script. What does he do? Jesus knew the fifth cup very well. It is the cup of the anger of God which is poured out on the Messiah who is bearing on him all the sins of the world, the sins of Israel, the sins of all the nations, 
all the curses he just gave out, he takes. This is why he can be the judge and be just still, because he took the judgment which he passes out for you and for me. Matthew 20, 22, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to his disciples. Can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? We've already had the four cups at the meal. Boom, boom, four cups. But there's another cup that I'm drinking for you. What is that cup? It's the fifth cup. The cup of judgment. In Gethsemane, Jesus prayed to his father about the fifth cup. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground. By my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yeah, not as I will, but as you will. You know, the celebration had all been of joy. What had happened in the past. All the recounting. But now he had flipped the script. And he had said, look. It's not just joy now. It's suffering for you. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? And who was the joy that was set before him? The people he had prayed for when? In John 17. Just before John 18. And who were those people? His disciples. And you. I don't pray for them only. But all, all who believe. Wow. Passover. I'm going to be the lamb that is slain while you are in solitary quarantine with your family. While you're inside. Don't come outside. Don't, don't, don't come outside. Or you will take the judgment. Stay inside. Quarantine yourself. While I take the judgment for you. The only people, the only people whose sons died that night were the ones who did not believe in the Lamb of God. Those that did not take the quarantine seriously from the pandemic of sin. They stayed inside. And what was he doing? He was drinking the fifth cup. When the disciples wanted to defend him, when he was arrested, he knew that the time to drink had arrived. He said to them, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? He was that lamb dying. He was that blood on the outer doorpost. He was the one protecting them from the pandemic of sin. And as they followed the quarantine orders, he paid the price that that plague, that virus, would not take away their very life and breath. I say to you, and, now, and how many of you think that's now joyful? When the, then it was sorrowful. How many of you joy in that now? I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
The Jews taught that Elijah would appear, would appear prior to the coming of Messiah. I will bring you to the land concerning which I raised my hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Look, how many of you want to take advantage of the land that he's laid hold of for you? Jesus, who is the prophet, Elijah, who is the priest, Moses, and who is the king, David, will again return and take us to the Jerusalem above. Can you tell why I talked about Passover tonight? (laughs) Because it's Passover, number one. But number two, because it has a lot to say to us who are quarantined. For this day. Someone said, well, that, my daughter, when I was talking to her about this earlier, she was like, oh, that's only a day. I said, well, <laughs> sometimes a day equals a year in Bible prophecy. She's like, Dad! How many think we're still in a time period where we need to be shut in with Jesus? We need to have our hearts cleansed from the leaven of sin. And we need to be covered from the blood of the Lamb. And how many think we don't need to get out of that situation? We need to be in with the family of God, covered by the blood of the Lamb, saying goodbye to the leaven of sinfulness, rejoicing in the fact that he delivered, that he gives victory, that he does all these things, but rejoicing in the fact that he took my judgment, he took your judgment, he drank the cup. I don't want to go out from Jesus. How many don't want to go out from Jesus? I want to stay right there with him. And that's the picture of Passover. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're learning many lessons during this time of quarantine. Just like the children of Israel will learn many lessons. As the plagues hit both the children of Israel and the Egyptians and then finally begin to focus more in on the Egyptians but only through the choice of staying protected in the beloved. Help us to desire to come out of Egypt which is not representing any ethnic group now. God is not against Egyptians. But Egypt, in the symbolism of the Bible, is where our Lord also was crucified. It represents those who, like Pharaoh, said, I don't believe in God. How I many? We want to come out of that. We don't want to have a godless life. We want to come out of Egypt. We want to escape the place of bondage and go forward. And we want to overcome, not by our own strength, we can't do it, but by the word of our testimony, and that testimony will be about the blood of the Lamb. So fill our hearts with joy, recognizing more of what each of those cups mean, but especially that our Savior, our Master, our friend, 
drank the fifth cup that we might not have to. We want to accept his gift again. We thank you. We come in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.